Welcome to the Remote CEO Show. My name is De Niro Bartolini, AKA De Niro B. I'm an acclaimed business coach and my moonshot is to change the face of work and business forever. With each episode, we bring you some of the most inspiring and insightful interviews with six, seven, eight, and nine figure entrepreneurs to crack the code on how to build your remote empire and have fun while doing it. Thanks for stopping by and let's get started. What is going on, CEOs? De Niro B here with another episode of the Remote CEO Show. Today we're here with one of the authors and entrepreneurs that really got me to start my business. So for that reason, I'm extremely excited. And we're talking about Chris Ducker. Chris is a serial entrepreneur, best-selling author, in-demand keynote speaker, and respected business advisor. Chris is highly regarded as the authority on the subject of personal branding and virtual team building. His journey is one of hard work, burnout, change, success, and unwavering desire to serve those that dream of changing the world with what they know and who they strive to serve. This is going to be a Great conversation about uh, marketing, team building, writing books, and much more. So I'm very excited for this chat. Let's get right into it. Chris, welcome to the Remote CEO Show. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm super excited for you to be here today. You and your books actually have been a huge reason why I am where I am today. And I was looking forward to this interview for a very long time. I ask every single one of my guests, though, to tell us a bit more about themselves and how they got to where they are. Not necessarily today, but what made them start their first business. So can you take us back to those days? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think... You know, if I if I go back to sort of mid nineties, I mean, you know, I was still working here in the UK and uh, was very much building the career, right? And you know, long story short, I guess the entrepreneurial bug started getting me around the mid nineties. Um, I used to publish a magazine here in the UK for Hong Kong movie fans, and so um, as a fan of the of, of the genre myself um that was kind of like my first you know toe dipping entrepreneurial experience uh and we used to you know we went you know we took it to myself and my team took it to a whole new level where we started flying in some of the the movie stars and the directors and doing you know doing events with guys like uh, jet lee and uh jackie chan and all those kind of guys which was i mean i look back on the on the you know the last part of that you know decade with some pretty crazy stories to tell i tell you um <clears throat> but that was definitely kind of like the beginning of the entrepreneurial yeah. side of things then i got offered a, a position over in the philippines uh, with an international bank and after about three years uh, i set up my own consultancy firm over there that kind of uh, blossomed relatively quickly into like a fully fledged BPO company. And, uh, you know, by 2010, we had, you know, 200 employees working for us by 2014, we had 
350 employees working for us and, you know, multiple businesses, multiple brands under the group of companies. Um, and so, you know, I guess when you get bit, you get bit bad and, uh, you know, but now we're kind of reversing everything a little bit. Um, we're hmm. simplifying the businesses quite a lot. We've sold a couple of brands and businesses. We've got rid of some IP. We've got, you know, we're, we're just kind of bringing things back down to basics a little bit more and um, still got a great size team, still doing great things, but not on as big of a scale, but focusing more on margins, profit, uh, impact, rather than just, you know, numbers all, all the day or all, all, all day long, so to speak. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. And that's actually uh, taking me right into the, the interview question regarding building a team. And uh, I know that a lot of people think about top line as one of the main thing in the business, but then they realize that they are working, you know, 14, 15, 16 hours a day. And, and then they actually want to, like you said, scale back or at least figure out a way how to streamline the business and then even their time. You uh, wrote two fantastic books, like I said. Um, I read them both and I applied a lot of that knowledge. And right now I wanted to talk first about building remote teams. Uh, so straight from uh, virtual freedom. Um, I know that a lot of entrepreneurs get to a stage where they're doing a lot of work themselves, but for some reason, and you talk about this in your book, for some reason, they cannot give up that control. In your experience, after so many years of working with thousands of people, what's going on in these people's minds? Why can't <laughs> they give up control, even though it's clearly going to help them, you know, get better, you know, time management and of course, financial freedom as well? Look, dude, honestly, just to keep it real, like we're sick. You know, the entrepreneurial thing is it's a sickness, right? <laughs> um, like I said, when you get bit, you get bit bad. I mean, like genuinely, I, I think that, you know, the vast majority of people, you know, get to the point where they're burning out because they don't relinquish control. They don't start delegating things, um, particularly things that they shouldn't be doing, things that are not in their zone of genius. Um, and they, you know, because of that, they ultimately end up kind of burning the candle at both ends and burning out, right? The whole, the whole principle of building a team though, is, you know, if, if you're, if you're a solopreneur, which really, I mean, at, at the end of the day, like a, what's a solopreneur, it's somebody who still got a job, but mm -hmm. they're their own boss kind of thing. They're still having to do everything. Like if you're a solopreneur and you've got 95% profit margin, great, great work but you're probably doing everything. And because you're doing everything, you're limiting the impact and the profits uh, and, and just the overall success that you can encounter because of the fact that you're not bringing other people on board to help you do whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. So I would rather do 65, 70% 70, 70 in profit, bring on a small team, make more money, make more impact, um, and not do stuff that I don't like doing or that I struggle doing you know um and i think that's you know the, the main reason why people don't bring people you know don't bring staff members on board or start to build their remote team of employees the main reason why is because of the fear of letting go fear of the fear of of you know letting go of control ultimately like i said we're sick you know we 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 want to try and keep control all yeah. the time and unfortunately um, that does lead to burnout nine times out of 10, really does. Absolutely. <clears throat> and so 
I wanted to actually talk about um, something that like the sweet spot, because at the very beginning of our conversation, you were talking about uh, scaling back on the size of your business and the complexities of a big business. Yeah. And now we're talking about actually making it just a bit more complex than just one person. And my question to you is, for our listeners that are generally uh, selling, my listeners here are generally selling either offers that are services or or online products. What is that sweet spot where you think, you know, uh, keep on growing or keep on hiring a few more people to, you know, to to uh, adjust those pieces of the puzzle. But then after a certain point, like you said, more headaches are going to, you know, you're going to get more headaches, you're going to get more complexity. So if someone is starting to hire the first person, what should they start thinking about? How big should their team be? Well, the team needs to be as small or as big as it needs to be. I mean, every business is different, right? But generally, you know, once you get to the point where you've got, say, four or five employees that, that are, you know, working with you in various roles for the business, at that point, you become a manager of people mm -hmm. and not CEO. So the goal is generally to take, say, one of those four or five people and say, right, you're a team lead, you're a COO, you're a CMO, whatever label you want to give it. Um, and what I want you to do as COO is I want you to run the team for me. Okay. Yeah. They're all going to report to you and you are going to report to me and only you are going to report to me. That way, now you've got one person that you're managing instead of five. Um, and, you know, that person is, for want of a better word, they're responsible for the growth and, and the productivity of that team. You can carry on working in your zone of genius. You can carry on focusing on the stuff that only you should be doing, and then the team can focus on what they should be doing. Um, but really, I mean, like, it's really hard to have like a cookie cutter answer where yeah. it's like, oh, you need six members of staff. It doesn't work like that. Like I I have clients inside of my roundtable mastermind, which is my uh, higher end inner circle mastermind group. Um, and some of those clients, they're doing, you know, multi, multi six figures, you know, six, seven, eight hundred grand a year, some are even doing seven figures plus in a year and they only have three or four people working for them. Yeah. Right. But there are other people within the same group, within the round table who are doing, you know, seven figures a year and they've got 50 people working for them. Right. So it, it, it really just depends on the industry. It depends on the type of product or service that yeah. you're involved with. If you're, you know, if the majority of what you're providing is digital or if the majority of what you're providing is service-based, then, you know, there's less involved. Whereas like if you're a t-shirt company, you've got inventory, you've got warehousing, you've got fulfillment, you've got all these other things that, you know, uh, other types of businesses won't have to worry about. So it's very, very tough to say the number of people, but ultimately you want to try and find that sweet spot. Um, and there's no magic pill to kind of pop here for that. You'll just know, like the numbers will speak for themselves. And you want to find that sweet spot between keeping things lean, but yeah. also maximizing productivity by ultimately delegating to somebody else, right? So it's yeah. it's a bit of a, a bit of a gut feeling thing. And I don't know about you, but as an entrepreneur, if I follow my gut, it'll rarely let me down. So yeah. you know, your your gut check is sometimes uh, sometimes the best investment you can make in any decision. Absolutely. I think what he said about having the operations manager, though, and then having that person, uh, you know, deal directly with you is really when you're going to start seeing it, your time 
is is well spent because you're dealing with one person and the business is growing uh, in a very healthy way. And this actually helps me, you know, pivot into the other part of the conversation regarding building your personal brand. Uh, and so the youpreneur, um, some people um, wanted, like, I actually got this question before from my own clients. And they said, should I build a personal brand before having a solid business or during, uh, or should I first build a solid business? And then once I have that, and I spent my energy and my resources building that business, should I then start marketing myself as the owner of that business and possibly offer consulting and everything else? Well, I mean, it really depends on on what your overall goals are. I mean, if your goal is to ultimately build a business that you can exit from and sell at some point in the future, then that's what you focus on. If the goal is for you to build a business based around you and your expertise and what you can do for your for your clients, then obviously focus on your personal brand. I mean, I'm a little bit of an anomaly because I've got both. I've got yeah. multiple businesses which are stand on their own two feet. And I've got my personal brand. Now, I should say it wasn't always like that. I started out by developing the brick and mortar businesses. Yeah. Then it went to online mm -hmm. businesses and entities. And then the personal brand came around. So, you know, I'd already been building businesses six, seven, eight years before I ever, you know, published a blog post at ChrisTucker.com, for yeah. example, right? So, yeah. but I know other people that have done it, you know, the other way around. They've built their own personal brand and you know, because of that, opportunities have come their way and they've gone ahead and, and you know, kicked off and invested and, you know, started new businesses. But uh, I think it's a personal journey thing more than anything else. There's no right and wrong answer. Yes, absolutely. And so just uh, to, to get some a takeaway from what you just said right now is, you know, if you have been building something, let's say brick and mortar, like you said, uh, in a product that is not in any way, shape or form affiliated to your name, then focusing on that is probably the best bet at the point being. But if you are consulting or you're for selling any other online product, then probably would make sense to to spend some energy building your personal brand. That actually takes me to another question, and that has to do with um, your ability to have, let's say, uh, a live event like the ones you have right now. For new entrepreneurs that are starting out, or maybe they are in their first or second year of building their personal brand, they may not be able to create some awesome live event yet. What should they do in the meantime? Should they have like Zoom calls or like or or like virtual events first and then uh, move on into live events or what should they do? And, you know, I mean, my first ever live event had six people at it. Okay. So, you know, and I charge 150 bucks per person to be there. That was in 2010. Wow. Um, you know, we now run, you know, medium sized to large scale events. I think the most we've ever had at one of our events was maybe 400 people. Um, we've done very high end, uh, you know, five grand a ticket sort of type of events on, you know, five star resorts, uh, you know, beautiful luxury beach resorts around the world and all that sort of type of stuff. So done a lot of different events, um, but you don't, you don't need to have a massive amount of clout to hold an event. You don't need to have a huge social following to hold an event. You just have to have a cool idea and the passion to be able to bring other people that like that cool idea together, right? 
Um, and so, you know, like I said, I, re I, I remember very clearly <laughs> I was going to put together a one-day mastermind for yeah. six people. And I've been blogging, I think, maybe four or five months at this point. And I was like, you know, I got, I don't know, whatever it was, 400 people on my email list or whatever. And I said to myself, you know, I'll I'll put it together, man. You know, I'll put the offer together. Let's see what happens. Let's let's see if anybody wants to show up. And so I dropped an email to my email list. Like I said, I don't know what it was, three, four hundred people, whatever at the time. And uh, I said, you know, here's the date, here's the venue, this is what's going to happen, and here's a PayPal button. Like there was no sexy landing page or <laughs> website or anything. It was just like if you want to be there click this button and give me money kind of type thing, you know? Um, and it was like 150 bucks. That's what I charged. Yeah. Um, and it sold out in a matter of hours. Like I hit the send on the email. I went out for dinner with my wife. I came back home. I checked my email and all six places had sold out. In fact, actually we had sold 10 spots. Wow. And so what I needed to do is I needed to do the event twice. So it was supposed to be just one day, but we ended up doing it two days in a row with two different groups of individuals. Um, so it was 12 people over two days, which was really, really cool. Um, but it also very, very tiring. But to kind of show you exactly how things have changed, like we're talking 12 years ago now, if I do something like that now, it's like two grand to get in the room. Yeah. Right. So you know, through time and through experience and through, um, you know, people observing what it is that you're doing and how you're doing it and the level that you're doing it at, what you charge can go up and up and up and up. And bear in mind by 20, by 2010, when we did that event for the first time, we were already doing a million dollars a year in revenue as a yeah. as a business, but I'd never done that type of thing before. So looking back on it, I was mad selling it for 150 bucks. It should have been, you know, way more than that. But ultimately, um, it, it was kind of a lack of a lack of confidence, a lack of experience, whatever you want to call it. But ultimately, we sold it out, and you know, over the years, we we put on some great events. So yeah, you don't need a you don't need to have a massive following or, or, you know, book, you know, a huge football stadium or anything like that. Like just get started, get a lot of people together. That makes total sense. Um, where was it? Where? Yeah. I was in London. It was okay. just in a conference room. It was in a, it was in a conference room in, Oh man, what was the, uh, the A-loft, the okay. A-loft hotel. Um, which was just around the, the the corner from the XL, which is a huge conference facility. And actually the same day we had, or the same two days we had our little event on, Tony Robbins was at the XL wow. doing his big event. So uh, I believe I made a joke at the time saying, like, you know, are you the guys that couldn't get tickets to Tony Robbins? <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> that's, that's funny. Um, a quick question regarding uh, the location of your email list, because I know a lot of my listeners are building, you know, for example, I am building my SEO and my, and my, and my presence in the United States and Canada. We're based in Toronto. That's a huge, you know, place that could be anywhere from literally from Toronto all the way to, to LA. And yeah, so yeah. how would you suggest people start thinking about this? Should they Talk about it months in advance and see if people can travel to a specific location. How did you go about it? 
Well, I mean, like I said, the first time round, I was just like, well, I'm going to be in London. Oh. Let's just do this and see what happens kind of things. Um, and, you know, it just happened that everybody that bought a ticket to that first event was based in the UK. We okay. had people travel. Actually, one guy, I think, came from Ireland or something. Like, he flew in for it or something like that. But the bulk of the folks just either got on a, on a train or drove down to London in a car, right? Um you know, when we would do our bigger events, like the Upana Summit, for example, you know, the Queen Elizabeth Center right opposite Westminster Abbey, you know, we, we're looking at selling like, you know, 400 seats. That take that takes more than a few hours to sell out, obviously, yeah. and it takes a heck of a lot more effort, right? Logistical-wise, um, so much more work involved. But obviously, when you're putting on a large-scale event like that, you've got to sell all these tickets to pay for everything, right? And so, yeah, I mean, we, we started, you know, you start kind of uh you know be beating the drum a little bit you know at least six months before the event and i think from what i remember the first time we we did the upana summit i believe we went on sale in april i'm gonna say april with tickets and the event was in november and so yeah that's you know that's a good amount of time but we were sold out by august yeah. We'd sold out all the tickets by August. So what that enabled me to do, and this is really important for anybody looking at running an event, is that, you know, there's enough stress involved in the, you know, in the weeks coming up to an event, you know, logistical wise, food and beverage, venue, AV, speakers, if you've got speakers, you know, all that sort of stuff. Not to mention all the, you know, the silly questions you get from people that have already been answered on the website who are actually going to be attending, but they still send in, you know, emails and DMs every day asking for stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, what, what, what selling out a few months in advance enabled us to do is to actually just take our foot off the marketing gas entirely and not worry about the fact, oh, are we going to sell out? Are we not going to sell out kind of thing? And so we knew we'd sold out. We sold all the tickets. There was no more spaces available. There was a wait list on the website. This is great. Now we can actually focus on just putting together a really cool experience for everybody yeah. and making sure that when they show up, no matter where they show up from, whether they're flying in internationally or they're on a train or a car or whatever, that they get the best experience and, and that they have an amazing time. Um, and we never failed to do that with our events. In fact, actually just this morning, I don't, I got an email from one of our past attendees saying like, are you going to run the event again this year? You know, so it's still years later, even though we haven't done it for a few years, years later, people still love that event. They're still talking about that event. That is fantastic. So much, so much uh, information. So thank you so much, Chris. Actually, I wanted to ask you um, another question regarding, is there anything exciting that you want to share with our audience coming down the pike that you're excited about? Well, I, I mean, honestly, I'm excited about my personal brand all over again. Um, you know, the, in 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 the two years of the lockdown, you know, where we had those those times where we couldn't, you know, fly anywhere or meet humans in the flesh or anything like that, we I really kind of took my foot off my personal brand gas a little, if I'm to be honest. Um, not not because I was bored of it or I didn't believe in it anymore or anything like that at all. It was mostly due to the fact that, you know, we have all these employees that I've got to look after and we've got to serve our clients properly at the same time. So we just doubled down on the brick and mortar and the online e-commerce side of the businesses um, and not so much worrying 
about my personal brand because I couldn't travel anywhere to speak. You know, there was no book launches happening. Uh, you know, I couldn't do any in-person in coaching or anything like that. So although we pivoted and shifted a certain amount of stuff online, um, all the real focus ended up going towards our other our other corporations. Um, and I'm glad we did it because we survived everything and flourished through it all. But yeah, that's what I'm excited about now, man. I'm, I've got a new uh, weekly newsletter that is coming out. It drops into people's inboxes every single Sunday. Uh, we're already a couple of episodes or rather issues into that. It's called Future Proof. And so uh, if anybody's interested, they can hop on the email list at chrisducker.com and, and get that every Sunday. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just looking forward to, uh, to doubling down again on my own personal brand. And, uh, maybe there's a book deal in the process. We'll see what happens with that. But, uh, yeah, there's a few, few things on, on the horizon that I'm excited about. That is fantastic. And in fact, one of my, my last question was, I'm sure that my listeners want to know more about all these things or, you know, coming down the pike. So where can people find you online? Oh yeah. I mean, chrisducker.com. You know, just, just visit. I wouldn't be much of a personal brand coach if I didn't have <laughs> my own personal brand URL, right? So yeah, chrisducker.com or just follow me on social at chrisducker everywhere. Perfect. Again, Chris, thank you so much for being at the Remote CEO Show. I'm looking forward to having you back in the future. And in the meantime, enjoy the rest of your day. Appreciate it, man. And this is it for today, CEOs. Thanks for staying with us until the end. Can I ask you a big favor? Can you please leave a review? I know the podcast app is not super straightforward. So if you don't know how to leave a review, just DM me on Instagram at denierob, D-E-N-I-E-R-O-B. And I will send you the direct link to the review section. And to show you my appreciation, I will answer any business question you ask me during that conversation. So thank you again. And then we'll talk to you again soon.